Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at FCCWarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com. It's uh, pretty amazing how much something like our posture can affect our overall health and well-being. Uh, if you take a look at this image up here on the screen, for instance, bad posture is linked to some obvious things that we would all think of, like back and, and neck pain. But in addition to that, did you know that bad posture is a leading culprit for things like fatigue and pessimism, and that bad posture even makes it harder to concentrate? But on the other hand, Good posture has been proven to lead to things like improved memory, lower stress, as well as increased energy and happiness. All of that kind of makes you want to sit up a little straighter in your chair, doesn't it? Just hearing something like that. I'm a, I'm a sloucher, so I'm probably uh, not one that puts that into practice as well as I should. And all of this, though, is by God's design. He made us, he has a plan for us, and even for our bodies to function at optimal levels, these bodies that he's given us. And so it should come as no surprise that when it comes to worship, God's given us some guidance on posture in worship as well, both the posture of our hearts as well as the posture of our bodies. And as we're wrapping up this series today on worship that we've been in for the previous three weeks, we're going to explore a little bit about the posture of worship today. But before we do that, let's do a little review. We've been talking for a few weeks here about a definition of worship. So what is worship? Why don't you say uh, the definition with me, starting with the word true. True worship is a response to an encounter with God. Yeah, all through the Bible, people would have encounters with God and they would respond. And those responses showed up in some different ways of worship. Jesus talks about what true worship is in John chapter 4 when he said, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He's looking for more people, as we've been talking about, to worship him. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So in the Old Testament, there are seven different words for praise that help us understand how the early Israelites were worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And those words show us how they responded in some different but consistent ways. Let me give you a quick review of the four words that we've studied so far. The word halal just means exuberant celebration, but in our Bibles, most often it's just translated as praise. The word shabak means loud shout, and again, in our Bibles, it maybe just show up as the word praise when it's translated. Last Sunday, we talked about the word tehillah, which means to sing, and the word zamar, which means to make music. And today, we're going to learn the three final Hebrew words that are in the Old Testament that, gets tra- that get translated as praise. And those words are yada, tauda, and barak. Want to have some fun with me and say them? Let's say them together. Yada, tauda, and barak. Okay, first of all, yada, a word that means to confess or to praise, as it often gets translated in our Bibles, or to give thanks. It's used over a hundred times in the Old Testament, and each time that it's used, it implies a posture of the heart that's grateful. Because a part of the definition of yada is to give thanks. 
It implies a posture of the heart that's grateful, a grateful posture. Let me show you a few examples here of how it's used in Scripture. First, in Psalm 145, verse 10, it says, All your works yada you, Lord. In other words, all your works praise and give thanks to you, God. Uh, your faithful people barak or extol you. We're going to come back to that word, in, to this verse in just a moment when we move on to the word barak. But there's one instance right there. All your works, yada, they, they praise and, and thank you, God. Psalm 67, 3. Let all the peoples, yada, praise and give thanks to you, God. Let all the peoples, yada, praise and give thanks to you. Psalm 44, 8. We halal, we've already studied that word. We, we exuberantly praise you and celebrate you, God, all day long. We will yada, we praise your name with thanks forever. So if we truly wish to respond to an encounter with God, we need to recognize this importance of thanksgiving. It's really fitting to offer thanks or gratitude to God as an offering from our hearts. And the cool thing about yada when we, when we praise in this way is that it directs our minds onto how much God has done for us rather than our, on our problems as well. We sang a song like that already this morning, didn't we? You remember it? I'm going to sing when? In the middle of the storm, right? I'm going to give thanks to you because you've still been good to me and you have given me so many good things to praise you for. And as we rejoice in God's goodness to us, we become more receptive to his spirit. We become more focused on him rather than on our problems. So to apply yada this week or maybe even today, just take a moment and offer some praise to God in conjunction with thanks for the things that he's given to you. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So everything that we have in our lives that's good comes from God, and we can praise him for that. And this word yada is a reminder that when we are praising God for the things that he has done, it's a pleasing offering. It is a worship in spirit and in truth to him. The second word that we're going to look at here this morning is the word tauda. Tauda is a similar word to yada. It comes from a similar root. Literally, it means an extension of the hand. It means thanksgiving or praise for things not yet received. So tauda is a word that means an extension of the hand and thanks for what God has done. So in that way, it's similar to yada, praising God for the things that he's done, the things that he's given us. But here's the nuance. It also means to praise God for things that he is yet going to do, things that we're anticipating him to do, things that we're counting on. Again, praising him in the middle of the storm, knowing that not only has he already given us good things, but he's going to do more good things in the middle of that storm. So tauda implies a posture of the heart that's gratefully expectant. There's more good to come. And this heart posture often lends itself among believers to a physical posture of raising the hands in worship. In Tao to pray, sometimes we lift our hands in the presence of God, not just for the things that he's already done, but in anticipation, God, I'm in a mess here. Will you bring more good into my life in this moment that I'm in right now? It's praising God with expectation. It's praising God with anticipation. The psalmist in the Old Testament would use Tao as an expression of trust as a way of displaying 
a confession of their hearts to him that, was trustwor- that God was trustworthy to them. Psalm 56 is a good example of tauda, and this is, this is the one instance here that I want to show you of this word. There's a notation in Psalm 56, if you look at it sometime in, in your Bible, it says at the top that it was written by David at a time when he was seized by the Philistines in Gath. So he was, in a sense, imprisoned. He was, uh, he was a captive of the Philistines. And despite his capture, despite the most dire of circumstances, here's what David wrote, Psalm 56, verses 11 and 12. In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render tauda to you. I will praise you in the middle of the storm in anticipation that you're going to release me from this danger that I'm in right now. David, captured by an enemy, facing an unknown future, praised God in full anticipation of the promise of deliverance that had not yet been received. So in this imprisonment, he praised God in earnest expectation for what God would do. I like what Darren Whitehead has written about this word tauda or expectant praise in his book, Holy Roar. And here I'll read you a quote from it. He says, he, meaning God, will bring an end to all violence. We anticipate this, right? He'll bring an end to all violence. So we lift our hands in praise. He will release us from bondage. So we lift our hands in praise. He will provide what we need. So we lift our hands in praise. He will heal us both now and eternity. So we lift our hands in praise. This notion of lifting hands in praise is an extremely biblical one in lifting hands in anticipation of God, please bring your mercies, please bring your goodness, please bring your deliverance. And when we engage in this expression, it's like lifting our hands heavenward, almost like a little child, like pick me up, pick me up, daddy, pick me up, right? I'm here, will you bring goodness? I'm counting on you to deliver me. Have you ever raised your hands in praise? You ever raised your hands, maybe not publicly in praise, but even Maybe when you've been in a private moment of worship to God, lifting hands up maybe over your wounded marriage, your troubled career, over a wayward son or daughter, God, please bring deliverance. Please bring your help. Please bring guidance. Please bring your direction. Please bring the healing that I desire. It's a very appropriate expression to God. And when Tauda prays, when the posture of the heart is one that's anticipating God to do something, Oftentimes, the posture of the body just in turn says, yes, God, bring that. And that's sort of the expression of how tauda posture of the heart even comes out in body posture. So our praise should embody tauda, an expectation that God's going to act. And our third word here today, though, is the word barak. And barak simply means to kneel in its most literal sense. It means to thank or to praise, but its most literal usage is to kneel. It embodies the notion of bowing down before God, blessing him, adoring him, recognizing our position in relation to him. So Barak implies a posture of the heart that's gratefully humble. This heart posture lends itself to the physical posture then, of kneeling or bowing down. If our heart posture is genuinely humble before God, sometimes it moves into that literal usage of this word barak to to kneel. But it starts in the heart. 
It's used 289 times in the Psalms, and it describes worshipers falling on their faces before God in reverence, adoration, and thanks. Let's come back to Psalm 145, verse 10, which we looked at just a moment ago. All your works, Yadah, praise you, Lord, with thanks, with thanksgiving. All your works give you praise and thanks for what you've done, Lord. Your faithful people bow down, Barak, extol you, bow down, fall face down before you. In Psalm 72, if you're going through our through the Bible in a reading plan, through the Bible in a year reading plan that we've been doing together in the YouVersion app, we came across Psalm 72 not too long ago. It's a psalm written by Solomon, David's son. And Solomon uses the word Barak to explain the ways the kings of the nation would bow down to the one true king. Psalm 72, here's verses 11 and 15. Solomon says, let all kings bow in homage to him, all nations serve him. All right, he's not using the word Barak there. He's using a different word for bow down. But look what he does in the 15th verse as he parallels that. May he live long. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May prayer be offered for him continually. And may he be barocked. May he be praised. May people kneel down before him, bow in homage to him, as it says in parallel in the previous verse, all day long. So in Barak praise, Solomon's saying that even the most powerful lay aside their egos, even the most powerful lay aside their power, their desires, they offer all they have, their gold, their prayer, their honor, their gaze, they kneel, they bow down. Psalm 103 is a really cool example in its repetitive use of this word, okay? So let's look at verses 1 and 2 and then some verses a little later on in Psalm 103. First two verses. Barak the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Same word. Praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Barak the Lord, verse 20. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, same word. All his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, same word. All his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise Barak the Lord, my soul. So here... All things, no matter who they are or what their position is, all things, all people are commanded to barak, to praise, to kneel, to bow down before God. The angels, the mighty ones, the saints who've gone before us, the works of God's hand in creation, our very souls, all of it, all persons, all things, all beings, barak the Lord. Praise God in such a way with a posture of the heart that it moves your body even to kneel down before him. So this posture of the heart in grateful humility would lead to kneeling or bowing down amongst the Israelites, and that's why they would use that word for kneel as a synonym for praise, which is kind of fascinating. I want to show you a couple more verses here that indicate how the posture of the heart will lead to the posture of the body in worship. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and barak the Lord. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and kneel down before him. So it's, it's a posture kind of just like that. Hands up, knees down. Interesting. Another verse that says the same thing. Psalm 63, 4. I'll barak you. I'll praise you on bended knee, Lord, as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. They're bringing those two postures again together. Kneeling down and lifting up. 
I wonder if maybe you've ever had an experience like that. I, I was thinking through as I was studying these words uh, a handful of times in my life where that just kind of reflexively happened. One was um, pretty recent. I remember pretty vividly when it was official that we were going to be moving to Warsaw as a family and I was going to be the new lead minister of First Christian Church. And in a private moment of reflecting on that, just I was so overcome with joy and thanksgiving that without any premeditation on my part, I just took a knee and put my hands up before God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. It was just kind of instinctive or reflexive. Another one that was kind of recent, um, some of you know my father-in-law, Glenn Krause, right? And he had a pretty scary heart episode here not too long ago when they were up at their place vacationing in Wisconsin. And he had to be airlifted and the whole deal, and it sounded pretty bad. And Kim and I and Faith and Jordan, all of us, we, we were scared, right? But on the other side of that, when God brought him through, and he's doing so well now, but on the other side of that, I remember when we had gotten news that everything was going to be good, that God had healed him. Again, I just, I don't know, I was just kind of overcome, like on a knee, hands up, like, thank you, God. Thank you for doing that. Um, I've mentioned a few times that my wife, Kim, before we moved here, she had some, had to have some rather significant jaw surgery done or a TMJ issue. And it was a, it was a rather serious surgery and it was a long time of recovery. But I still remember after she had gotten her most recent surgeon's appointment and he was saying, as far as I'm concerned, you're done. You're not going to need an additional surgery again. In another private moment, I took a knee and I put my hands up. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you. You're just so good all the time. So I get kind of what the psalmist is saying. I, I feel the urge in my body to, um, to represent what's going on in my heart or the, the overflow of what's going on in my heart sometimes comes out in my body. And I, I think that's what was happening in these Israelites when they would use these kinds of words to talk about praise. Okay, the posture of my heart is so grateful. Yada, we'll use that word when we talk about praise. <clears throat> but the posture of my heart is, is so grateful that, like, it's a word that literally means extending the hand. The posture of my heart is so grateful that sometimes I... I, I feel that. I feel like just putting my, my hands up in the air in expectation for what you're going to do, God. And sometimes I'm just so in awe of who you are that I, that I fall to my knees. And sometimes when I fall to my knees, I, I put my hands up. That's what, what these people were saying. And the incredible thing was they, they would do this in corporate worship as well as private worship. They were, they were people that the overflow of their hearts would show up in, in outward expressions when they, when they would worship. I find that to be pretty interesting. And I just want to let you know that, so like when you come to worship here at First Christian Church, it's okay to raise a hand if, if you feel like doing that. We were talking the very first week about halal and about how the spotlight goes on God and not on us when we worship. And so if we're concerned that somebody else might see us raise a hand and they're like, oh, what are they trying to do? Like they're trying to be really holy today or whatever. Then we're focusing back on ourselves or on other people rather than on God. And if you're looking at somebody else and, oh, their worship of raising their hand is distracting me, well, maybe your focus is on somebody else rather than on God and close your eyes or you can look somewhere else, right, if somebody's offering a genuine expression of praise to God. 
I would encourage you, if you ever want to take a knee in a worship service here, you are welcome to do so. But minimally, uh, these expressions, if they're not being practiced corporately, they, they should be privately because they're, they're quite biblical things. Do you ever kneel when you pray? Do you ever extend your hands up to God when you're asking him for something or when you're in a tremendous place of need or, or feeling desperate? Those are very appropriate expressions of the body coming from the overflow of the heart. And God clearly honors those things. God clearly sees those things. And when we hold back on them, are we maybe not giving him the offering that he's fully deserving of because we're feeling hesitant about this, that, or the other thing? And I wonder if maybe that's the focus back on us rather than on God. So I just wanted to drop a little bit of that with you today and give you three questions here to ponder as we're going to worship again with the worship team here in just a moment. How about you guys come up? I'll, I'll pray here in a second, and you guys come up when I pray, or if you want to come up right now, either one is fine, but they're going to lead us in some songs. But I have three questions here for us as we continue in worship this morning. One might be just a reflection of the heart. Am I more demonstrative in expressing my gratitude to people than I am to God? Like if somebody gives you a gift, are you quick to be like, oh, thank you, you know, like a, a big hug or like a, a handshake or a high five or something. But yet to God, is it more like, thanks? You know, I don't know. <laughs> just, just a question. Second question. Is it possible that my typical worship posture hints at pride rather than humility? I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that one out. That was maybe as much for myself as it was for you guys when I, when I wrote that one. I was like, yeah, I wonder sometimes, am I, am I more concerned like what somebody else would think than I am concerned, again, what God would think in my posture when I worship? So does, does my posture reflect pride in God's eyes rather than humility? Just a question to ponder. And the third one, what's one thing I'm feeling prompted about regarding worship that I could act on this week? So perhaps you've been here these last four weeks or maybe you've watched online and you've gotten a sense of what we've been talking about uh, with worship. Maybe today is the first message that you've heard in the series and maybe there's something today even that you're thinking, boy, I'd like to apply that in my own life this week. We're going to sing a little bit, worship some more here this morning and you have a whole week coming up should Jesus tarry before he comes back that you have opportunity to practice some of these things at home as well. But let's stand together and I want to lead you in prayer uh, before we worship again with our worship team, okay? And let's just take a moment and surrender ourselves, even with our posture here before the Lord. Father, here we are in your presence today. We know that you are so good, so great, so very awesome. We have a tremendous number of things uh, for which to thank you, for life and for health uh, for your son, Jesus, that we just celebrated together through communion with Brian's leadership a moment ago. Thank you, God. Thank you for church family. Thank you for air going in and out of our lungs. Thanks for voices to sing. Thanks for bodies and parts of our bodies that will move and allow us to be able to praise you. Thank you, God, for a safe place today here in this country to come before you and assemble and worship you. Thank you for the many miracles of your hand that we have seen you do among us, works of healing, works of deliverance, works of change of heart. Thank you for 
the miracle of new birth that you've placed in those of us who are Jesus followers, where you've raised us from death to life in Christ. We have so many things and so many more to thank you for, Father. And I pray that our time of worship today while we're here together will truly be a, a sacrifice of yada and tauda and barak before you, God. We praise you. We offer this praise now with our voices and our bodies as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at fccwarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's fccwarsaw.com.